0: the countdown is on to fight time. This is Big Fight Weekend. Now, here is your host, T.J. Reeves. Ah, yes, indeed. We are back in and ready to talk much more about the fistic arts, the sweet science, the fight game, whatever you want to use. Lots and lots of boxing conversation forthcoming. I am your somewhat capable host. He is the senior writer, the purveyor of BigFightWeekend.com. Marquise Johns is with me, and we are ready to talk it up on the Big Fight Weekend podcast with you wherever you're joining us. Thank you for doing so. Perhaps you have just found and discovered the show through a social media link, maybe through the BigFightWeekend.com website. A quick little plug, subscribe away, and you can find this podcast anytime through iTunes, through Spreaker, through Spotify, through Google Podcasts. Subscribe, and it comes automatically to you, where we bring you all kinds of boxing info, news nuggets, primarily in the preview mode. That's what we're going to be doing this weekend. A little bit of recap, but in the preview mode before big fights, it's the Big Fight Weekend Podcast. Without further delay, Marquise Johns is with me. We have survived, can I say it, it was a snooze fest at the Berkeley Center the other night, this Showtime PBC boxing card. We survived that. It's a new week. We've got a DAZN show coming up that's got some world title fights. Marquise, how you feeling? Good to be with you.
1: Pretty good, TJ. Great to be wide awake after this weekend's fights on Showtime. <laughs> Ama- TJ, imagine this. Al Bernstein broadcasting 40 years in yep. the Sweet Science, and yep. he is treated to what may <laughs> go down with one of the most boring cards as the frontrunner this year in uh, 2020.
0: I mean, Al has seen a lot, because he started, and we've had him on this podcast. I love interviewing him. I heard him. I, I hear him being interviewed all the time everywhere, and Al has worked all kinds of fights. Remember the early days of ESPN, they were fighting in like smoke-filled ballroom clubs where where ESPN had like two cameras, maybe, uh, showing fights. And Al was on the commentary in the early 80s. So he's seen it all, including the mega fights, the huge pay-per-views. It runs the gamut. But I'm with you. Uh, That was better than Ambien the other (laughs) other night (laughs) with Danny Garcia fighting a non-title welterweight fight. Uh, the, the, co- the co-main event, uh, Jared Hurd, junior middleweight fight, kind of a comeback fight for him, and it was dull for the most part. It had a couple of exciting parts, just not a thrilling card, just real quick, the other night. I know we write, wrote about it on the website, but that, that's not going to go down in Al Bernstein's memoirs of like one of his top boxing cards to ever do.
1: I don't think he's gonna to remember too much of that fight once he got back on the plane to get out of Barclays Center in Brooklyn this weekend, DJ. Yeah. The, the one thing about these fights that, what made it worse is that going into this fight, people saw the lineup of uh, Garcia, Red Cash, and Five. Oh boy, really? And you know, Garcia was supposed to be t- t- facing Earl Spence for a right, title. We all right. know what happened with that. And now they had Garcia needed something to stay busy with. And this was literally the textbook definition of a stay busy fight. And that's what this was on Saturday night. Also, for same thing for Hurd. Coming back off the tough loss against Jared Hurd, one of the fight of the year categories. Got a new trainer. Wanted to work some things out in the in the ring. Wanted to get some rounds in. And he got all 10 of them in. And that's what happened on Saturday night so so
0: for Garcia I mean obviously he's looking to get back in the in the world title realm you're right the Spence thing derailed him let's begin with him just for a second I mean what's the next is he waiting for Spence in the summer I don't think it's realistic that he fights Manny Pacquiao on pay-per-view I cannot see that what what is next from Garcia educated guess
1: my educated guess, TJ, I'm going over a dark horse on all of this. I'm going Keith Furman rematch. Mm. And my thinking is what is taping with yours, every let's be honest, TJ. There's two people in boxing that everyone wants to follow behind. It's Manny Garcia, it's Manny Pacquiao, Canelo Alvarez. Those are the golden tickets. And I don't think any of those tickets are being punched for Danny Garcia with Pacquiao personally. I think get Pacquiao's going elsewhere. So the next best option, I think Spence is not going to be ready as well. Still, he, he's he been quoted as saying this much so far. He's been he's been out and about on Instagram partying a little bit. So he's 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 being active. Just don't know how Do he's going you to be subscribe in the
0: ring. to the speculation of a few that Errol Spence may never fight again. Do you subscribe to that Marquise Johns that we may have seen the last of him? I I don't buy that. Do you buy that? I don't buy that at all either. At, at one point, no matter worse for wearing and you, you've
1: seen Teach with all these boxes. Even over the course of the years, you know they come back. Right. Even when even past their prime, or even even some games as bad as this car accident that, that Earl Spence uh, survived, they, they still find ways to get back into the ring. I mean, Evander Holyfoot at one point was trying to get a license at age fifty five to get back into a ring. So I'm not. <laughs> what was to it? Put this Nigel
0: simple. Nigel Ben was trying to fight last November, and he was what fifties 55, fifty four, 55 55s 50. as well. Uh, I mean, so yes, I, I buy that part, and I'm with you. Words. I'm just. I'm just. Uh, maybe it's the late hour that we're recording this podcast. I'm a little punchy, and so I'm going to just make some wise cracks. Words that you always have to be careful of. Never. Never is a word you should always be careful of saying. It's never going to happen. Forever. It's just very hard to say that something is going to be forever, whatever it is. Uh, I love you are words that you better be very careful before you say those (laughs) words, whoever you're saying. So never, I'm just big on that. I, I don't know that we can say never with Errol Spence in his prime um, and physically no debilitating uh, injuries to the legs, uh, the arms, you know, et cetera. Yes, there were facial injuries. We don't know the extent. There was a concussion, apparently. I don't know. So maybe it is Spence Garcia later this summer. Maybe we'll hear more about that. We'll find out. All right, so over to Jarrett Hurd, because you wrote the recap. I wrote a little bit about this. I want to get to that in a second, but Hurd was not overly impressive uh, with Santana, with Francisco Santana that he fought. He was a journeyman contender and a guy he's supposed to beat. So, in any event, uh, is you know, all right. Tell me out of this out of this fight uh, here did Gerald, did Jarrett Hurd help himself by what we saw, or are there now still some real question marks about him? The loss to J Rock and not overly impressive Saturday night. What say you?
1: I'm going to be honest with you, TJ. I didn't think it was that big of a deal this Saturday night, mainly for the fact that he's training with a new trainer, Kay Carmona, and they want to work something out with him not being hit as much. And that was the one thing Saturday night that he did not do. He did not get hit, and which right. is interesting because he's been part of these back-to-back fight of the year categories like the J-Rock fight. He got hit. So I, I can see what they're doing with this. What They're trying to show him a little more defensive strategy, use his reach. One thing that was very noticeable in that fight Saturday was that he was leaps and bounds bigger than Francisco Santana. It was almost comical to a little extent, DJ. But knowing that with her, I think they're going to see the game tape on this, use what they can for that, show how he can punch more in between him being more defensive and I really think it's going to be a problem with if if can never figure this out actually to get his well, belts back right, one way so, or
0: so here's the the way it laid out, and I wrote about this on BigFightWeekend.com. We plug away for the website and you can go read this. I'm great at being a detective from an armchair. So the first thing is you, you would have thought he, he wanted to rematch J. Rock Williams. Um, Julian J. Rock Williams, uh, who beat him last May, took his two titles, beat him in his hometown. So he elected to pull out of that potential rematch, as you mentioned, and go with a new trainer. And J-Rock goes and gets himself upset by Jason Rosario, uh, a fighter from the Dominican Republic. Upset him, stopped him two weeks ago. And so now there's an automatic rematch clause, which J-Rock is going to invoke. He's going to fight Rosario later in the summer. They're going to take a few months to build it up and fight later in the summer. So for Jarrett Heard. He didn't take the bird in the hand. He didn't take the opportunity right in front of him. And now Williams has gone and lost, and Williams isn't an option. So I I think the most logical option, because he's not going to fight Teixeira, the WBO 154-pound champion, because Premier Boxing Champions doesn't do any business with fighters that aren't their own. They don't do any business with the WBO. So if Jarrett Hurd is fighting somebody significant for decent money or big money, the best fight for him— is Jermel Charlo, the WBC champ. And these guys, and I wrote this, these guys have kind of fought the same opponents, really, over the last three or four years. They have fought uh, J-Rock Williams. They fought Austin Trout. They fought Landy Lara. Uh, they have fought Tony Harrison. So, I mean, it, it, what's left? Fight each other. Marquise, give get me more. How crazy am I that those two don't get in the ring at some point, 2020, Hurd and Jermel Charlo?
1: That'd be nuts if it doesn't happen, and especially at 154, TJ. The one thing that Premier Boxing Champions has at this point, and it's a plethora of riches at welterweight and at super welterweight at 154, and it's why these guys are all fighting each other. It's why we're getting these matchups, actually. It makes for great boxing because, once, once again, TJ, it's the old cliche we used to hear back in the 80s, you know, the best fighting the best. Well... The best are all at one fifty four, and their best, the best are all fighting different premier boxing champions. So it's great to see that these guys are all get, at least getting the ring the it, and it makes it a lot easier that they're all un, uh, you know in house under the same PBC banner, which avoids any spe- you know any right. issues or what we had to deal with before. Well, I mean, look but, what
0: look what's in it for Jermell Charlo. This would be a named a uh, former champion, hungry guy. Guy only has one loss. And you win that fight, and it sets up naturally for you to fight either Rosario or J-Rock. And, and Jermell Charlo's already beaten J-Rock by a knockout earlier in his career. Ah, uh, to to essentially own three of the championships at 154. So so the it's like a semifinal situation. We've talked about this before on the podcast. Semifinal type situation for Hurd and Charlo, and the same thing for the rematch with Rosario and J Rock, and the winners meet. Let's say winter of 2020 or early 2021. I've just I've just done the matchmaking, have I not? For 154 pounds, yeah.
1: That's that's done and done, TJ, and I like I like your like I like your thinking on that too, especially in the winter because they have made a they have made a, a killing the last two years, especially on PBC with Fox with these well, these welterweight matchups to pretty much to close well, yeah, off the year and let's, also. And,
0: and let's be honest, uh, Fox and the deal uh, with Fox Sports One, Fox and PBC, they need fights for June and July and August before they get to the NFL football. You're telling me that a Jermel Charlo, Jarrett Hurd. Uh, Saturday night on Fox or FS1 wouldn't be an entertaining uh, world uh, junior middleweight title fight, WBC junior middleweight. Of course it would. And that's the that's the logical one. So let's see if, if they make that one happen. All right, so we move off of those fights uh, off the weekend. We look ahead now, and this is one of the reasons why we jumped out in front of the podcast earlier in the week in the preview mode, Thursday night fight card for Super Bowl week in Miami. Of course, the 49ers and the Chiefs are essentially the main event for the entire sports world. They're playing on Sunday in Miami. Thursday night, just outside uh, of, uh, of Miami, they're going to have this Dezone show with the feature main event fight, WBO middleweight title fight, Demetrius Andrade, Luke Keeler for Andrade's belt. A couple of other title fights on the card. So Thursday night fights on DAZN here of Super Bowl week. Marquise, your reaction?
1: Looking forward to it, actually, DJ. There's going to be a great atmosphere for us down there. As you know, if anything else, DJ, you know it's Super Bowl week in Miami, and that's one big party. <laughs> and they've, they've already started going down there now. Yep. Uh, isolated yep. shout out, you know, uh, to Tony Bruno who's yep. already down there with like the rest of the media already there to cover. I the saw football our and- buddy
0: Bruno who was live streaming from the drive like on Biscayne Boulevard. He and Miss Robin uh, they've already hit Joe Stone Crab, the legendary restaurant, and had the key lime pie for dessert. And it's early in the week. You gotta pace yourself, brother Bruno. Pace yourself. Be a veteran. Be the veteran that you are for Super Bowl week. But you're right. The media from ESPN to Fox... Uh, you name it, CBS, et cetera, et cetera, they're all there. They're all part of the coverage of the biggest sporting event that's there. So this is a smart move here uh, by DAZN, by Matchroom Boxing, et cetera, to put this fight card on in and around the, uh, in and around the Super Bowl. So the main event, I-, I guess I'll put it to you, does Luke Keeler have really a shot against Andrade? And Andrade's got to help himself a little more by being good, if not great, in this fight, doesn't he?
1: He does, and I saw actually over the weekend, TJ, they had they put the odds out for this fight, which is why a lot of people are kind of poo-pooing this Andrade matchup. At one point, TJ, one of these bookmakers had this thing at seventy to one for Keeler to win this, <laughs> which, as you, as you that's know, large. Uh, that's pretty big. I mean, that's, that's life-changing money <laughs> if you're willing to put that sucker bet down. So with that in mind, it's one of those fights that, that for Andrade, he, that he has to look good and stay busy with, because that's what this fight is for him. It's a stay-busy fight until he can hopefully get into the mix with, He's in the he's in the mix at 160 with everyone else to get make get a fight with uh, triple G and of course that ever so elusive uh, powerball Canelo ticket. The one thing with Andrade that he has to do better he has a, This is one of those fights where I think he has to knock this guy out. It's one of those it's one of those fights he has to stop. TJ It's plain and simple.
0: Well, but because, he's not a big knockout guy, Andrade. It's not it's not what he is. And and again for Keeler, this is the most marketable. Biggest name that he's fought. He's primarily fought in the UK. He's Irish. He's 17 and two. This is supposed to be an easy win. But if if Andrade, as you like to say, jabs this guy to sleep as a south, as a southpaw for 12 rounds, that doesn't excite anybody. I don't think here in the main event. You got to try to be spectacular. You got to you got to try to score some big punches. Uh, I, you know that's what I'm looking for out of this main event. And I think you're. I kind of sense you're kind of looking for the same thing. We don't need another snooze fest like coming off this PBC card from last Saturday night.
1: Absolutely not, TJ. And I'm I'm going to be Andre the benefit of the doubt. Last fight he faced Selecki, he did get the first round knockdown uh, in his hometown of Providence. The problem was is that it went the distance, and he said after the fight that his hand was hurt. You know, it's convenient. You know, the, the excuse or excuse that whatever it may be, TJ. His hand was hurt. He could knock him out. Hopefully, his hand's healed now, and we we get the stoppage for this one on, on the. Hopefully to close out the show in Miami, which should which should be an interesting scene. We'll see.
0: All right. Undercard has Tevin Farmer Joseph Diaz. They've had a lot of bad blood outside the ring, a lot of name calling. Is this one going to be an entertaining junior lightweight title fight? 130 pound uh IBF junior lightweight title fight. What what do you think? Marquise Johns, bigfightweekend.com, Farmer Diaz.
1: Interesting boxing matchup, actually. For this one—it's going to be one to see who can outbox the other on this one. I don't think it's going to be anything that's going to set the world on fire per se. It's one of those classic tactical matchups. One thing with this fight with uh, Farmer Diaz and the the big big underlying current of this fight is that both guys have been complaining about the lack of promotion that this fight has gotten. Which, let's be honest, with you. this <laughs> actually is the main event of this fight. Make no mistake about it. For Tevin Farmer's IBF belt, but both sides, both uh, Diaz complaining uh, earlier over the weekend, and Farmer last week going about it, about it because it's a, as we all know, TJ, this is a matchroom show, and these guys are just pretty much on it, so they have to just suck it up and, and go through go for the motions because it's the business of boxing. But no, this fight's going to be interesting to see what version of Farmer will come through on this. Uh, if, if it's the same one that's been facing all of 2019, where we saw him face up uh, the best of IBF mandatories in. Jonah Carroll and Gilmore Fremont is the the best that the obvious has the offer, TJ. Then we may be in one for one of those where it goes one of those long, dull decisions. But if we get one that actually shows that they're actually pressing each other, this could be the early front runner for fight of the year.
0: Oh, interesting. All right, but again, Farmer's not a big puncher, not a lot of knockouts. We'll see what happens in this matchup with Diaz. Uh, here in Tevin Farmer, obviously trying to get in the mix. He's he's called out the name Gervonta Davis, among others, uh, that he wants to try to get in there with either at 130 or 135 for lightweight. We'll see if he is impressive. Another title fight. Three of them on this DAZN show Thursday night from Miami. We're in the preview mode on the Big Fight Weekend podcast. TJ Reeves, Marquise John, senior writer, bigfightweekend.com, hanging here talking about it. Uh, Daniel Roman is the IBF WBA uh, Unified Featherweight Champ, and I'm going to go for the name uh, Murajan Akhmadilev, if I got it right. Akhmadilev, um uh, who is from Uzbekistan, and Akhmadilev is trying to make some history here uh, in this fight against the champion Roman. In terms of being the uh, least experienced, if that's the best way to put it, professional fighter to ever win a unified championship, he would match Leon Spinks beating Muhammad Ali, 1978, in an eighth pro fight, beating a unified champion when Ali held two of the heavyweight title belts. So Akmad Dialev going for that against Daniel Roman. I hope I didn't butcher the name too much. Hopefully the fight's a good fight. And maybe we see a little history in Miami in this one on the undercard.
1: That may be the case, TJ. I'm, I'm going to play it safe here and go with MJ. Now I took the, the hard work out <laughs> of the way for me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, MJ has a chance to be the, the first unified uh, uh, fighter in, from Ubekistan, which I think will be very interesting if that happens. But he has a tough test in Danny Roman. Danny Roman is no slouch and had, has been going off of back to back wars. Actually, uh, the most notably last year uh, with TJ Donahue on actually on the back. Actually, that was back last April on the uh, Sergei Reza card back in L.A. And he's been coming off a, a shoulder injury, so he's back He's back to 100% with this stuff. But no, that's actually a good fight, too, on this card. It's one it's wonderful thing about this card, TJ. There's there's a lot of prospects on this card. There's a, a U2 fight that's sort of on this thing that we're not going to mention on there. Yeah. And a, a couple of title fights. for Early frontrunner, TJ, for best card stacking so far, is this the zone card? Great. It also helps that it's going to be set... In Thursday, on Miami, where everybody else is going to be at for the Super Bowl. If concert
0: of- uh, venue, right, where Lady Gaga's performed and some others. They got a concert yes. uh, hall that seats about 5,000. We'll see. And if, uh, again, Akma Dealev can pull it off, 8 no. Uh, or seven and zero right now with six knockouts, trying to get an eighth win and get a world title win in the junior featherweight division. And you brought up an interesting name that could be on the radar as a future opponent here for the winner, and that piqued my interest. Say it now on the podcast, please.
1: That opponent would be for this for
0: for T.J. Don for
1: Daniel Ramon and M.J. Here, one possibility, of course, could be. Uh, your favorite, uh, Emmanuel Navarrete. There we go. For the, the current WBO holder at 122, who is active and is going to be pretty much in an easy victory on this Wilder Fury uh, 2 card,
0: by yeah, the way. Yeah, so he's, <laughs> he has been very active over the course of the last year. He's, what, won four fights? Either three fights in the last 12 months. This will be like yes. the fourth or fifth fight in the last 12 to 13 months for him. Uh, Navarrete, when he fights on the undercard of Wilder Fury Two, should win again. It's a le, you know it's a little known opponent, but he's a big knockout artist, uh, long lanky, g- great reach at 122. I- I'm interested in Navarrete, and you're saying that Roman or Akma Dialev could either one get in there with Navarrete at some point later 2020. Uh, that that I- piques my interest to watch this fight, Marquise.
1: Absolutely, TJ. These guys have a chance for it. Uh, c- as you know, Ramon currently is the uh, title holder at 12240 uh, IBF and WBA Super Belt. So at one point, Naparote has made it made it well known. He wants to unify these belts, and he wants all of them. And I don't see any particular reason why he wouldn't go after either one of these two guys. Well,
0: he's He's been active, kind of following in the lines of previous champions, somebody like a Julio Cesar Chavez um, and others uh, that have fought a ton. I was looking at Roberto Duran uh, the other day as well, that, um, it, it, you know, these guys fought 60, 70, 80 times before they're 25 years old. Think about that. Fight wow. 70, <laughs> 80 fights, and you're not 25 years old yet. Navarrete, 25 years old, is 30 and 1 right now, and I'm doing the math. He fought Isaac Dogbe last May, fought uh, Francisco de Vaca, de Vaca. in. August fought Juan Miguel Elord in September, fought Francisco Horta in December. So the yeah. quick math would be four fights there in seven months. This would now, on the Fury Wilder undercard, be a fifth fight in nine months for Emmanuel yeah. Navarrete. Fifth Man. championship fight. I love active fighters, and if he scores an impressive knockout and can get in there with either Roman or... Uh, uh Ilaev, I would love to see either one of these uh, yes. the, from the Ubekistanian getting in there or Roman getting in there with Navarrete later in the year let's see what happens Uh, With that, all right, what else? Anything else before we get out of here on the Big Fight Weekend podcast? I know you're writing up as we speak. They can read it on the site depending on when they're hearing us. as soon as Tuesday that Luke Campbell, popular uh, English fighter, is going to be back in the ring. What is the update on Luke Campbell who, when last we saw him, uh, was beaten? No shame in this. He lost to Lomachenko, who's one of the best, obviously pound for pound in the world. He lost a decision to Lomachenko who outclassed him. But Luke Campbell about to be back in the ring?
1: Absolutely, TJ. Uh, Luke Campbell uh, apparently is having the same luck that Sergey Kovalev is getting, where if you stay in the IBF rankings long enough, where you <laughs> ranking system high enough, you get another title shot, and that's what's happening now. As they they came as we were recording this podcast, uh, they both sides Matchroom and uh, Samson Boxing, who owns who uh, promotes uh, Javier Fortina, the mandatory challenger at 135 for the WBC. They both came to terms, so there's no purse bid. That's out the window. So don't, the money's right. The fight will happen at some point soon. And it's funny because this will be, of course, TJ, Luke's second shot at this fight. Uh, let me follow the bouncing ball with you on this. He fought Loma, he fought Lomachenko back in August when he lost on points uh, originally for this belt. Lomachenko won it. WBC franchises him, so technically he doesn't have the belt. Belt sent to Devin Haney via email. Devin Haney is injured and can't defend the belt against Fortuna. So now it's vacant. And here we go. Number one, Fortuna. Number two, (laughs) Luke Campbell. (laughs) Uh,
0: Well, it is, yeah, it's interesting. These different organizations. Uh, Interesting is, is one way to describe it. (laughs) <laughs> Controversial is another way. Disgusting is another way. On I've how heard that, rigged as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, rigged is another way on how that suddenly the same fighters are constantly being given the gift of a vacant title shot or an interim title shot. And, and we call it a championship. But anyway, Luke Campbell will get the chance at that. I, I know it's being ironed out as we speak about Josh Taylor, the Scottish unbeaten unified junior welterweight or super lightweight, whichever you prefer. If David Payne was on this podcast, the boxing writer in the UK, he prefers super lightweight, super lightweight. <laughs> so uh, 140 pound unified champion Josh Taylor will now fight against uh, a Thai opponent that is his mandatory challenger in the next 90 days. That fight will probably be in England, uh, from what I was reading, that will be coming in the next 90 days. So, some, And we'll find out soon if Anthony Joshua was ever going to solidify this fight with the IBF mandatory challenger Kubrat Pulev. Uh, Pulev, the 38-year-old Bulgarian, is their number one contender. They've been negotiating and negotiating. They still don't have a deal. Supposedly the deadline is later this week, Marquise, unless they get it extended again. The the fans will have to keep reading on BigFightWeekend.com about whether Joshua is going to get this fight made with Pulev or does he risk getting stripped of the IBF version of the belt. And we saw the IBF not hesitate to do that to Canelo Alvarez last summer. Canelo's Canelo, and the IBF said, you don't want to fight our guy, we'll take the belt. So I, I have no second thought that they're going to do that to Anthony Joshua if he can't get this deal done with Pulev.
1: I agree, TJ. Now, that's why I think they're going to get this deal done, mainly because it's Anthony Joshua. And also, TJ, it's, it's Kula Pulev. I mean, if you were to tell me like, if, as a heavyweight, if I was Anthony Joshua in his shoes, I had a choice between uh, Usek
0: or Pulev. I'm taking Pulev seven days to Sunday. Right.
1: It's, not, it's not even close.
0: The so, issue uh, apparently from Eddie Hearn is that they have a couple of bidders, foreign governments, Saudi Arabia, maybe uh, uh, wherever – and they can't iron out all of the money and all of the, the money trail. Except, I don't know. Uh, what is the truth? They've been trying to make this fight for over a month. We wrote on the website that Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, the the stadium in North London that's been newly reconstructed, newly renovated, would be the possible site for an April or early May date. But uh, apparently that's not now the number one target. The number one target may be um, is Saudi Arabia again, where Joshua fought against uh, Andy Ruiz. Could be in the Eastern Bloc. Right? I mean, he wouldn't go fight him in Bulgaria, but would they? Would they fight somewhere else in the Eastern Bloc? I don't know where else this fight would be. So excuses currently being made, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Let's see. Keep reading the website. Joshua Pulev. Does that fight happen? Um, and, and, and get made to happen later on in April or May. All right, Marquise, plug away for the website one more time, what we have on it, your social media, etc. Go for it, sir.
1: Absolutely, TJ. Uh, bigfightweekend.com, the website for all things boxing, past, present, and future. We'll have you up to date on everything going on fight-wise during the weekend. Did want to quickly mention the fight that's taking place over the weekend, the, uh, the other cards. Not the best of cards on Friday and Saturday, TJ, but if you're all, if you're near your a house in a remote. Uh, on Showtime uh, on Friday, there's a showbox card. Uh, Ruben Villas in action. That's a, a prospect that I would like, like like to keep an eye on. He's pretty fun to watch it in terms of boxing. Not a big knockout artist, but he is a fun boxer to watch. And on Saturday, they they found him, TJ. Uh, you, uh, on FS1, uh, Uganis Ugas is in action against uh, Mike Dallas Jr., TJ. And if you, can, if you check it out, I, I advise anyone listening to this podcast, the video footage is up there. In 2013, he fought Lucas Matisse and was dropped in one round. That video footage is up there. and You can take a look at that. That's what Ugas is facing uh, to, to close out the show in Biloxi on Saturday night on FS1 and, and what may be just another card for those guys. In the meantime, you can catch me during these fights, I'm sure, more than likely watching them at Week Sauce Radio. It's still putting up, TJ, for 2020, my lineal Twitter title championship. I'm, I'm, I'm always waiting for any challenges on this. I'm still waiting for it. Uh, you can catch me there ri- writing about the fights, breaking things down, using pretty much explaining what I'm seeing, what everyone else is seeing on these things. Hopefully we'll have some action on these cards. I'm expecting to have some action at least, well... We're guaranteed a knockout on Saturday, TJ. I'm pretty sure it'll be... (laughs) Let's
0: hope. (laughs) If anything else. Let's hope. Let's hope we get an exciting fight card again, depending on when you're listening to us. For Thursday night on DAZN, the Andrade uh, WBO middleweight title fight is being billed as the the main event. But Marquis says, watch out for Farmer Diaz. Uh, the uh, uh, junior featherweight title fight as well that will be taking place between Roman and Ahmed Daliyev, if I said it correct. I, I, it's late at night. Ahmed <laughs> Daliyev, yeah. I believe is it. The Ubekistanian uh, fighter that is going again for the Leon Spinks record of eighth professional fight to win a unified championship. Three title fights on that DAZN show. Super Bowl weekend. By the way... It's early in the week. Do I sneak a prediction, 49ers or Chiefs? 49ers or Chiefs? What say you? 49ers or Chiefs? What do you got? You know what? what do you got? Super Bowl.
1: To hard to go against the Chiefs, TJ. I just really can't do it. They came down defense for 28 nothing. Defense
0: travels, though, for San Francisco. They play defense. And I think that travels here. I don't know that Kansas City can score 28-31, 34-38 points on the 49ers. I don't know that they can do that.
1: I, it, I, I just... For some you're reason, taking TJ, you're taking, I'm the, taking Chiefs. the Chiefs. You're taking the Chiefs. It's something about this team this year, TJ. If it, I don't know what it is with their offense. San but
0: Francisco has been in Miami two other times for the Super Bowl, two victories. That doesn't ah, change your mind. That doesn't change your mind. You still like the am, Chiefs. You still like Mahomes.
1: I'm, like, I'm liking Mahomes. I'm liking the whole 50-year vibe to, to co-tie with the Andy NFL. Andy Reid
0: has coached forever and has not been able to win the Super Bowl. You're saying he's finally going to get it. He's going to get like, to hoist the Lombardi Sunday night. I,
1: Unlike the Generals against the globe charters, TJ, I think he's finally due.
0: <laughs> That's a way to end the Big Fight Weekend podcast. Again, he is senior writer, bigfightweekend.com, Marquise Johns. Marquise, enjoy the action. The DAZN show Thursday night will come back soon. Uh, well in advance of Wilder and Fury with another Big Fight Weekend uh, podcast preview of some upcoming fights. Wilder, Fury, obviously late February. Marquise, I love it. Thank you. Enjoy the fights this weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl.
1: Absolutely, TJ. Uh, looking forward to it. And thanks as always.
0: There is Marquise Johns at Week Sauce Radio. Follow this podcast at BigFightWeekend.com, at BigFightWeekend on social media, BigFightWeekend on Facebook uh, as well. Subscribe. Again, iTunes, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. Subscribe away to the Big Fight Weekend podcast. It comes automatically to you whenever there is a new one. I am merely TJ Reeves. Thank you for locking in with us. Enjoy the action in the ring. Enjoy the Super Bowl as well as in Miami. We'll be back soon on Big Fight Weekend. Bye.